Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the World Football Index EPL Weekly Podcast. Uh, I've been doing my rounds of, of the clubs, and today I am going to Tottenham. I'm delighted to say for the first time on WFI, we have Dan Tracy, who is a Tottenham fan. Dan, first time as I say on WFI, how are you today? Yeah, all good, thanks. Thanks for having me on for my debut cap. Looking forward to it. Uh, you had a bit of an excessive weekend in Lisbon, so... It's good. It's good to have you on and uh, finally sort of catch up with you. Yes, yeah, a, a bit of a, a scouting trip. Uh, no, it's a stag do, in all <laughs> fairness. But um, yeah, really excited to be on and talk Spurs. There's lots to sort of go through, so uh, let's crack on. Well, let's start with something that's really not an awful lot to go through, and that would be your transfer activity. Kyle Walker went out for a, 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 you made a fantastic profit there. Um, you know, no, absolutely no slight on the player, but you, you really did make out like bandits on that deal. And there's been very little movement inwards, uh, Dan, and, and certainly from from what I'm reading, I'm not reading a terrible lot at the minute, but Tottenham don't even appear to be sort of breaking headway in the newspapers over transfers. It must be starting to get a little bit concerning for you. Yes, I think with what. It's now two weeks to go for the start of the season. It is concerning. If you'd have asked me this question, if we did this podcast, say, sort of six weeks ago, I wouldn't be concerned. But now the, the market has gone into an absolute state of flux. You've got the likes of Manchester City spending, um, God knows what, Liverpool, um, Arsenal, United, everyone spending, bar Tottenham. So there is, there is a worry. I think Pochettino perhaps is a, a difficult task in the sense that when Tottenham finished second, that first eleven is almost untouchable. You don't really need to expand on that and if you did you'd have to sort of spend a lot of money for players that you aren't necessarily available so it's a case of what did Tottenham need not necessarily first 11 players it's all about depth but at the same time with the market in this sort of state of pandemonium that it's in now is someone like Daniel Levy going to spend 50 million on Gilfie Sigerson as just a backup player or Ross Barkley for example so we sort of caught this halfway house where we the first 11 we've got is fine but we're still a bit threadbare and that was our sort of detriment towards the end of last season with not quite enough sort of Game changes off the bench, especially in the sort of um, FA Cup semi-final and such. So it is worrying times. I mean, there's still two weeks to go, four weeks to go to the end of the window. And Tottenham are necessarily a team that they like to do their business a bit quieter. So just because we're not hearing anything about it doesn't necessarily mean there's nothing going on. But it would be nice to have a one signing or two just to sort of quell the sort of uh, murmurs in the background from the, the fan bases that are starting to get a bit more perturbed. No, and you know what kind of a hole does uh, does the Walker transfer make? You know what what have you gotten back on? Because you know there was a couple of times, especially whenever Harry Kane broke into the side and so on. You know what do you have waiting in the wings? Is it a possibility? You know, I admire Pochettino very very much as a coach. Could it be that he feels that he has uh, players coming up through the youth ranks or whatever in the reserve squad there who are capable of actually stepping up into the main squad and making a difference this season, Dan? Yeah, I think at right back especially because. If you'd ask me at the end of last season, if Tottenham had to sell one player, who would be the one that you would could sell without there being too much or any detriment to the team? And I would identify Cole Walker as that person because you've got Kieran Trippier, who was not only his understudy, become sort of first team for both club and country towards the end of the season and just didn't really sort of miss a step, really. And I think that was the sort of turning point where Walker... Around April, we're sort of agitating for a move. We started seeing more links to Manchester, both Manchester clubs, Chelsea, even Barcelona at one point. Whether there was any mileage in that, I don't know. But that coupled with the fact that Trippier started playing, started playing well, and then Walker sort of, he didn't have a good um, game against Crystal Palace late in the season, didn't play in the FA Cup semi-final. That was the sort of the point where you sort of knew that it was the beginning of the end for Cole Walker. And I think it's not only uh, Kieran Trippier, we've also got Carl Walker-Peters, who recently won the the World Cup with the under-20s. Pochettino has already gone on record and said that he'll be given more game time. So I think 
the right back issue in itself has already been sold. They may go into the market and spend 20, 25 million. But again, they're going to be buying a sub. I don't think they're going to be necessarily going out and spending, you know, Carl Walker kind of money for someone to come straight in at right back. I think the replacement is already there in waiting. And I think he's already been replaced. No, and obviously, you know, you, you obviously need that squad depth again with, uh, you know, you have a full Champions League campaign coming up and, and so on. Uh, you know, over, over that period, especially around, you know, up, up until Christmas, you know, the games come thick and fast. Do you feel, you know, obviously you would like to see a couple coming in, Dan, I'm sure. But, you know, what areas of the squad do you actually think? Because, you know, your first 11 are immense. They are immense players. You're an, an immense team, I think, is, is the way I would describe you. You know, what would you, what would you feel would need to come in just to, to, to get you, you know, to get you through that Champions League and make sure that you're not sort of having a, a stretch squad? Obviously, injuries and so on will come into play through the course of the season as well. Do you feel that you're you're lacking a lot? I wouldn't say a lot, but certainly a couple of areas I think need identifying. Uh, one, for example, is a left-sided centre-back. Because I think, um, obviously, the Belgian partnership between Alderville and Vertonghen is absolutely sensational. I wouldn't advocate speaking that at all. But if Vertonghen is injured, Kevin Vim has not quite been a sort of solid understudy in this second season. First season he came in, we didn't sort of miss a step. I thought he was really good. Second season, not so much. He's been sort of reportedly angling for a move away due to a lack of game time. If we could buy someone like Ben Gibson from Middlesbrough or um, Alfie Morgson from Swansea, someone who's, again, young, English, that sort of um, early 20s bracket, maybe 20, 25 million. I think that would be a very good addition to the squad. I think also you could then afford to sort of drop on, not drop, but rotate, say, Vertonghen and Gibson in matches and you wouldn't sort of... Um, feel there any detriment to the lineup that would then keep your sort of uh, players fresh because I wouldn't advocate playing recognizers our first 11 in every game there is going to be changes Eric Lamella I hate to use the cliches like a new signing but if he is fit then that gives us another option in midfield Sissoko is a funny one because you know I think the his price tag goes before him I know now in today's money it's only 12 months later it's it's nothing but the fact he's saddled with that 30 million price tag it's almost whatever he does is never going to be good enough. If he bought him for half the price, people wouldn't rate him so harsh, I don't think. So if he goes, then you have to sort of look to perhaps add someone in there. But you've also got Josh Onomoa, who again is a England World Cup winner, and I think he'll get more prominence. Harry Winks, broken foot towards the end of last season, he'll get more game time because Moussa Dembele is, he just cannot play 90 minutes anymore. So that's sort of the, he'll be the heir apparent to that central midfield role. So this is going to be like an acid test of how much faith that Pochettino does put in youth this season. I mean, whether he does that in force because he can't buy players or whether he's not buying players because he's got the youth, it might be a bit of a, you know, chicken and egg situation. So we'll have to sort of really wait and see till, I guess, the end of the transfer window, what actually happens and then what we've got to work with between, say, August and January. You know, I know we spoke about this sort of pre-pod, Dan, and you know, we were talking about that if the Neymar deal were to come off, it could start sort of a domino effect of crazy money. Would, you know, would Tottenham fans be sort of, have fear that you know I know that Deli Ali has been sort of tied around Barcelona before and, and, and bigger clubs and you know that, that you could get caught sort of late on in the transfer window with the domino effect of it if it happens and you could end up losing maybe some of your your, your best assets I see where you're coming from because obviously if Neymar goes and one club's going to I'm going to want to replace him with someone and then that team and so on and so forth but I'm quietly confident actually I'm quite bullishly confident that I don't think someone like Harry Kane or Deli Ali will go at this point of the season with a new season coming up. I just can't see that happening with what is on the horizon for the club, especially Harry Kane. Deli Ali, perhaps, you know, 12 months down the line, there might be an inkling if, say, he's 
we finish sixth or seventh, we've had a bad season, his head gets turned, you know, he has, has a good World Cup, for example, we all go again, you know, it's, it's the whole sort of transfer madness starts once over. But I think Harry Kane, it's hard to sort of say a player's going to be there for life, but if someone is, a you know, die in the walls, Harry Kane, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if someone right now is going to find the money, especially uh, to sort of tempt him away, because Daniel Levy's not going to let him go on the cheap. If this is, you know, the market, he's, he's a negotiator as good as they come, and he'll be looking at this rubbing his hands together if people are, are calling him up, you know, who's sort of Jose Mourinho's reportedly testing what over £100 million and was politely told no. So I think at this sort of present moment in time of what could happen for Tottenham, I know obviously there's, it's going to be a transitional season that we'll probably touch on in a bit, but I think there's no sort of apparent danger at the moment that we're going to lose any more of our star players. No, and, and well, hopefully not. As I say, you know, you mentioned transition there and I think, you know, the point that, and, and you know, it's been mentioned as I've done around these clubs uh, and around the fans, you know, most people are sort of saying, well, Tottenham could be got at this year, you know, they're playing their, all their home games at Wembley and that home record's not just going to be as good as it was and, you know, obviously the Champions League last season at Wembley for you was a bit of a disaster, uh, to say the least. It can't fill you full of hope, really. Um, although it, it, it can't be as bad, surely, Dan, again, as that. It's something you'll you'll get into as the season goes goes along. You would imagine that you'll, you'll acclimatise to it a little bit better than the, you know, the four games that you maybe had there in, in the Champions League. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? Obviously, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a difficult one for you. I think with the transition, it's the great unknown, really, because... Because we've had that bad Champions League spell and because we also lost in the FA Cup semi-final, it's almost like, oh, no, Wembley, do you know what I mean? It's the one place we probably wouldn't want to play all our games. But if we don't start quickly, we're going to give up a lot of points to our nearest rivals, be that for the, t- the title or the top four. Um, and then pressure will begin to mount. Then that I would imagine the ground becomes more of a millstone around our neck. I think a perfect way to sort of nip that in the bud would be beating Chelsea in the second game of the season, which would be our first home game of the season. I think if we can get a win there, I think that puts any sort of transition talk to bed. And it's just, you know, it's done. Get on with it. And hopefully that can sort of give us the launch pad to kick on. But I think, God forbid, if we get to sort of September and it's no wins at Wembley with, you know, only picked up a draw or two, you sort of think, well, is this going to be it for the season? You know, people are sort of saying wild aspersions like, oh, we have Tottenham bottom half and things like this. I can't see that happen with the talent available. You know, it's just the ground. I had the pleasure of talking to Clive Allen a couple of months back and gave me some insight. He said it's due to the the grass is different at Wembley and they can't quite get the same passing game together. Now, whether they can rectify that over the course of the summer, I don't know. You'd have to sort of think they'll, they must be sort of training and learning to sort of adapt. At the end of the day, it's just a ground, but at the same time, this, this weapon of the um, home form last season, that's gone. I mean, I can't see us being unbeaten all season. So those sort of few extra points that sort of got us the second, that could be a difference maker. So, I wouldn't say it's worrying. It's not ideal, but this is the the circumstance. It is just transition because you know the, at the end of the rainbow, we've got a whole new stadium waiting for us. So this, I think, it's, if worst comes to worst, we have a relatively bad season in comparison to what we've had the last two seasons. Then whisper it quietly, but I think there's a lot of Tottenham fans will just accept it. But I think that's just where you know that's where we are this season. From what I can gather as well, Dan Tottenham seem to be a very cannily run club. You know, you seem to have the finances and everything really, really well sorted there. You seem to have you know as a shining light in the Premier League in some in some respects. Could you cope? Set for instance, you you know, let's look at a doomsday scenario, and you didn't make top four. Does it really affect the clubs? Um, you know the 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 trajectory that the club's been on in recent times. You know on an upward spiral. Obviously, the new stadium will impact. We saw that with Arsenal and so on. But with a year out of that top four, what kind of an impact? You know, I know at Liverpool, 
Uh, you know, we, we went out of the Champions League, never got back in it. I think we've been one in the last seven. And it's just been a disaster. Do, do you think Tottenham can sustain maybe a drop out of it for one season and, and come back then to the new ground and, and continue where they left off? Yeah, I think they can because I think we've got to remember that, you know, just six into four doesn't go. So you're always going to have two. You know, even if you consider Everton now, maybe even three teams not hitting the, the promised land. And I think, especially going into a new stadium, there's still going to be that level of excitement. So I don't think necessarily players are still going to want to leave. I think it's almost sort of given us a, a year's grace almost. I mean, it doesn't like excuse sort of bad performances this season coming around, but I think it's sort of a case of hold tight, see where we are. If you can keep that same nucleus players again going into the new stadium, then it's almost, dare I say, a bit of a free hit really, really this season. It could work to our advantage, it might not, but it's, it's hard, you know, you haven't really got crystal ball to say, you know, where we're going to be 18 months down the line. This is going to sort of shape it in one direction, but I don't necessarily think it's going to lead to a mass exodus either if you say finish six. I think the club is well geared. It's not a crisis. It's not as if we've sort of banked everything going into the Champions League this season. I think, you know, the last two seasons, I think perhaps have slightly been above expectations. And now those expectations have, have risen, haven't they? So it's sort of because we finished third, then second, we want to maintain that. But if we don't, then you have to be sort of pragmatic at the same time with the circumstances we're in, that it's not perhaps the end of the world either. No, and, and just another question, and I'm not, I'm not sure whether you, you have the details on it, but it's a question I'd like to ask you. In, in and around this new stadium, obviously we, we saw Arsenal move to the Emirates. These are, these are big undertakings that, that, that are being made. Is this stadium putting strain on the Tottenham finances that you may see for, you know, maybe three, four, five seasons? Or do you think that it's been well enough planned out and, and you know, the, the financial plan is sound enough that it doesn't really impact you? I think in any new sort of building, there will always be a small impact. I think that's only natural. I don't think it's going to be to the scale of the Emirates era at Arsenal. Also, Tottenham, you've got to remember that the NFL deal kicks in and that will be a massive bonus. So that will go some way to sort of alleviating those transfer pressures. So. I think obviously there might be a bit of belt tightening, but then again, that's offset against the uh, the Sky Deal money. So I don't think you know because we're sort of a decade further down the line. I think Tottenham have, are in a sort of more beneficial time to build a new stadium to them. So I don't think it's going to be the sort of sell to buy area that Arsenal had. I think you know it's pretty much sort of business as usual, really. I mean, obviously, if you sort of then finish that sort of the top six or seven a handful of seasons in a row, then you sort of feel a financial impact. But if you can still be playing in Europe, be it either the Champions League or Europa League then I think it's, you know, it'll just keep ticking along. And another question around the same thing, you know, I'm not particularly sure or well-versed on, you know, the, the, what, what you've been buying and for the youth ranks and so on, the young players. Have you been very active in that? You know, is there a next generation coming through? Obviously, Harry Kane came from absolutely nowhere. Um, but c- can you foresee more breaking through from, you know, your youth ranks or your second team? Is there players there that you feel capable of that? Yeah, a lot has been spent on the academy. I think it's probably one of the most stately art academies we've got um, in the sort of Premier League today. I can't remember the exact figure. I read it yesterday. I, I, I think it might have been about £40 million spent on it. Yep. I, don't quote me on that, but I'm sure that's what I read. So there's a big belief in youth, and I think it's all about the conveyor belt um, of continually producing talent. So... Like I said earlier, I mean, it's either we're not buying the players because we feel we've got enough youth talent to push us forward or, you know, um, we're going to have to use the youth talent to not buying the players. I, I think personally it's the former, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. But there's a big, big belief in youth. And I think it's, like I said, you know, Harry Winks. There's also Cameron Carter, centre-back, um, Onomoa, I mentioned, um, Walker Peters, that's just four. There's there's loads, loads more. We've got, um, who else? Sheilo Tracy. Um, or was it Sheila Harrison? One of them, and an attack. So yeah, I mean, there's a, a crop waiting to sort of come and get their chance. 
whether they will be blooded. Oh, Marcus Edwards, there's another one. He's a un- European under 19s for England. Um, yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, there's lots, and it, they're not all going to get their chance this season, but at the same time, the exciting futures ahead for the club and for them is a, is a good prospect for fans, I think. Okay, mo- moving along, Dan, um, some might say you, you have some. I, I would take it as a compliment, personally, um, Mr. Conte's remarks about uh, Tottenham in recent days here. Maybe, maybe you want to talk us through those. Well, yeah, he's uh, said this morning, or maybe last night, I woke up to it this morning, but he's questioning our club's ambitions as to uh, you know whether we're actually aiming for the title or not and what we actually are planning to do this season. I think it's tied into what Daniel Levy was saying the other day about how clubs are spending unsustainably. Conte is now going on to say that if we don't win the title, it's not a tragedy for us. But if you took sort of Chelsea, Arsenal, both Manchester clubs, and it is a tragedy for them. And I, to be fair, I don't think he's a million miles from the truth because if we don't win the title, it's not doom and gloom. But well, that's but for me also, that doesn't say it's a lack of ambition. I think that's a lack. I mean, that's being realistic. I don't think you know Tottenham are going to win the league, league this season, but that's not to say we're not going to try. You know, I think we've touched on Wembley. I think that's going to go against us to be. I'd love to see Spurs win the league, but I just can't see it happening this season. But I've, I don't think that's um, to say that we're sort of um, lacking ambition. It doesn't say we're sort of lacking the sort of desire to go out and be the best that we can be. Whether it's mind games with uh, Chelsea facing Spurs in a couple of weeks' time, I don't know. But it's also quite surprising comments from Conte, really. I mean, he was the sort of lovable media darling last season, but whether that's sort of going to change now because he's won the title and it's sort of the gloves are off, I guess... He's perhaps sort of feeling pressure from Manchester City also because it's, I guess, harder to defend the title than it is to win it. So it's certainly um, raised the needle of the, the two clubs. You know, it's never sort of boring between those two, but it's just going to make the, the uh, heads-to-heads in a fortnight's time a bit more interesting. Yeah, and, and before a ball's kicked as well, Dan, you know, it, it, I, I, w- I would personally take that, you know, if, if he was talking about, it, about my club, I would I'm actually quite flattered by it because um, because clearly, you know, as, as you rightly say, there could be a bit of truth in it. Um, you know, obviously, with the, we've discussed the Wembley thing and everything. Nobody really knows how the season is going to go for, for for Tottenham. And there is that that aspect that, that is different. You know, any team doesn't know what way it's going to go. It could, it could be disaster. It could be glory. It could be anything. But I think that when, when the, you know, the league winning manager is singling you out, I take that as, as flattery. Yeah, I think it sort of says we're on their radar. That's for sure. I mean, you know, Let's be honest, Chelsea and Spurs have been quite a disparity between in the last sort of decade or so. But now, I'd, I'd say we're even, really. And sort of, I know they're a big club, I know they've won the title, but, you know, we're sort of in their sort of um, sphere of influence, I think. You know, we're sort of certainly knocking on the door, causing them sort of trouble. We'll be beating White Hot Lane last season, end of their run. So we're certainly uh, going to sort of make life difficult for them again, I hope, this season. And I think it's, you know, game on, really. And I think it's sort of, We'll be interested if Pochettino does come back to it. I don't think he will because, dare I say, he's got a bit more sort of class to him. But again, I'm surprised Conte made those comments in the first place. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned the word class, and that's something that I would have associated with Antonio Conte, but I, I, I'm kind of sort of taken aback by those comments. But here, it's time to put you on the spot. And, uh, you know, I think I, I think it's a really difficult one uh, to put you on the spot, but maybe the most difficult of all the people I've spoken to so far. What is your season's expectation? Obviously, you've got Champions League thrown in there as well. What is a good season, given the upheaval and given you know the commotion that's going on around the club at the moment? Uh, what do you, what will you class as a good season, Dan? For me, a good season is progress in the Champions League at the group stage, getting you know over to the other side of uh, Christmas. I'd really like to win a trophy. I think Spurs have got to win a trophy. We're talking about De- the likes of Deli Ali and Co not leaving, and that's one way it's going to 
keep them. You know, it may only be they win the FA Cup and the League Cup or something. Or, but at least if they get a trophy, it breeds that mentality. It's a club that, you know, again, still going places, still going forward. So I think that's vitally important, especially in this season where we're sort of not writing it off. It's not, you know, but it's not necessary, you know, it's all guns blazing. You know, it's all unknown, isn't it, as, as you said. But I think realistically we're probably going to finish fifth, sixth. I don't think we'll, we'll do very well to get back into the Champions League. I think that's a minimum expectation. We want to do well in the Champions League this season and then hopefully win a trophy. So I know it's a bit multifaceted, but I just think try and sustain as much as we've got and not try and give away too much ground to the rest, really. So containment with a bit of progress, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it's fascinating. You know, I spoke to, to Paul, who's an Everton fan, and he's very much of the opinion, you know, Everton need a trophy this season. I'm Liverpool fan. I'm very much of the opinion that we need a trophy this season. You know, you need a trophy. And, and I think the cup competitions this season are going to be they're going to be very sort of aggressively fought out, uh, you know, Dan, because there are so many teams that are, you know, have made great progress and made great steps in recent years. But to crown that all off, you, you need to win something, really. Absolutely. I mean, we talk about the FA Cup being much maligned, don't we? And, but you look at the four semi-finalists last season, couldn't really get four bigger clubs. So people are taking it seriously. I know it's a slog to get there, perhaps, you know, they'll play the reserves and such. And Arsenal got lucky playing two non-league teams. Not that I'm bitter or anything, but... I think, you know, once you get to that sort of semi-final and it's in touching distance and you have your first day out at Wembley, then teams really do want to win it. And I think, like you like you say, for that sort of bracket of teams, just perhaps not going to be title contenders in the main, you know, sort of your fourth and seventh clubs, they're really going to want to win a trophy this season. So I would put, definitely put Tottenham in that bracket and I think they, they need a trophy, really. It'll be 10 years this season since we beat Chelsea in the League Cup for a team that really wants to sort of be considered in the upper echelons of the Premier League constantly, not just two flash-in-the-pan seasons. They need to sort of win trophies and fully establish themselves. So, if, yeah, for me, if Tottenham could add to their sort of silverware, um, which has been a long time coming, that would certainly be a successful season, in my opinion. Well, listen, I wish you every every success for the season. Uh, obviously, you have, you have a few more trials and tribulations than, than the majority of the teams there. But as I say, I hope I hope you get what you want from the season. Uh, thank you so much for being on, Dan. And before you go, where can we find you on Twitter? Do you, anything you've written or any websites you want to draw our attention to to the listeners? Please feel free. Yeah, sure. I'll do a bit of plugging then. Um, I've got my own website called realfootballman.com. That's um, sort of pretty much daily updated, uh, just the usual sort of news, views and opinions by myself. And you can also follow me at uh, on Twitter at DanTracy1983. So that's Tracy with an E. I'll spell it out. It's D-A-N-T-R-A-C-E-Y-1983. So by all means, uh, give us a follow. I'll follow pretty much anyone back if you're a football fan. So just... Um, say hello and say you've heard me from the podcast and I'll quite happily follow you back. So we hope you've enjoyed listening to this. It's been an absolute pleasure, Dave, talking to you. Uh, really enjoyed that. And I hope to uh, be back soon if you'll have me during the season. Absolutely. We'd like to have you on the main pod uh, as the season goes on. Hopefully we can get you on quite a few of those, Dan, if you'd be available for them. You'd be very, very welcome. Pleasure, Dave. Yeah, put, put me down to join the squad then. Ha, happy days. Happy days. Well, listen, from a WFI side of things, we've all, all the usual pods are coming back. Uh, we'll have a little league out today as well as this. We've got our Mexican pod should be out just before this one. As I say, the, the pods are all just coming back again. I'm, I'm back to being busy again. It's great. Uh, we're not too long away from football either. Listen, just one last thanks to Dan. One last thanks to the listener. And until the next one, goodbye.